it's great to be with you today. Well, I'm excited to, uh, to share this passage. It's 30 years in the making here. It's about how long uh, the book of Acts uh, covers, roughly. So uh, starting in Acts, uh, the first chapter in verse 8, right? You'll, the power will come on upon you. You'll be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit comes to them. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the outermost parts of the earth. And, uh, and here we are, now in chapter uh, 28, at the end. Yeah, Paul arrives in Rome is the title on, uh, on my Bible here. But uh, the title for the message today is A Chosen Vessel. So if you, if you look at Acts, well, I'll read it for you. But uh, in Acts chapter 9, verse 15, when Paul was uh, confronted by the Lord on the road to uh, Emmaus, or, yeah, no, to Damascus, right, going there to persecute the saints, um, Jesus went to Ananias and he said, I want you to go and, uh, and see Paul. Uh, Ananias was a bit concerned about it. But the Lord said to him, go, for he's my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, and it's, it all has come true to this point, right? Paul has uh, been a witness to the Gentiles. He's been a witness to the Jews. He's been a witness before kings. And he suffered for the, for the sake of the Lord, for his name's sake. All right, our passage today will start in verse 11. So it says, After three months we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. And after one day, a south wind sprang up. And on the second day, we came to Puttoli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days, and so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, they came as far as the Forum of Appius and three taverns to meet us. And seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with a soldier who guarded him. All right, so after three months, they set sail. So they'd been on the island of Malta. They crash-landed there in their ship and spent the winter there. And then they found another ship from Alexandria. Uh, What stood out to me there is it's not the first ship from Alexandria that Paul has been on board. The other one is somewhere off the coast at the bottom of the the Mediterranean Sea. Um, And it's interesting because Paul's understanding of that experience is that God put him there to preserve life, right? That's what he said to them, to preserve life. God placed him there. And sometimes, this, this is a, just, just a quick application, sometimes God puts us on a sinking ship. He puts us in danger for the sake of saving lives. And we see that with Paul here. I'm sure sometimes he wishes he had smooth sailing, right? It's not his first shipwreck. He was pretty experienced in these things. He had all kinds of experiences and difficulties. Uh, But God placed him there. And 
And so sometimes God chooses a vessel, um, and he puts that vessel on a vessel, and they can get into some uh, difficult situations like this. But God does that because he's in the business of preserving lives. He desires that all men be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. And so he puts us sometimes in those situations so that he can carry his message of salvation to them. All right, and Paul met, or Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, mentions here that they had the twin gods as a figurehead. So we, we see again a bit of the, uh, of the, the paganism or pantheism. You know, they, they put a symbol on the ship. It was the, the twin gods, Castor and Pollock, the, the gods that were to protect them uh, when they were in the sea. I, I wonder what the other Alexandrian ship had for a figurehead. I don't know, but it's typical uh, even today for ships to have symbols like this. And uh, even when we were living in Italy, we had fishermen neighbors, and, and they had a patron saint uh, for fishing, and they, and they talked to us about them, you know, that they give them success, keep them safe while they're fishing. Um, you know, so it's just mentioned here, but I was thinking about that, that even in that, um, you know, it's an opportunity to talk to them. We, Paul, we can see from this passage that whoever was protecting that ship, just like whoever was protecting Jonah's ship, you know, they, they failed. But the one who can really protect them is God, uh, and he preserved life. All right, the next verse, putting in at Syracuse. We stayed there for three days. So now they've reached Sicily, the eastern coast of Sicily. And they stayed there for three days, and then from there, they made a circuit and arrived at Regium. I don't know why I'm pronouncing these names twice, because I'm probably, I'm probably massacring them. But here we are. <laughs> and after that, one day, a south wind sprang up. Uh, and on the second day, we came to Puteoli. Uh, and there we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. So what a blessing, a surprise blessing, I think. I don't think Paul knew that they were there, but they found brothers. I was wondering if they sought out Paul or if Paul sat them up or sought them out. Was there a chance encounter? I don't know, but they met, and they stayed there for seven days. Um, and I think that maybe Paul found favor, or the Lord gave favor to Paul, just uh, an opportunity to rest there and be with the brethren, because uh, he was still in chains, still bound to Roman soldiers. Who could, who could order him to, to travel to Rome. Uh, but he was there for seven days, and they also found other brothers. Uh, well, they found brothers there, and then uh, there were found their other brothers, and they were invited to stay with them for seven days, and then they came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. So these places were on the Appian Way, um, it was a really famous Roman road, maybe, maybe the most uh, famous in ancient history. It was the first major, major highway, kind of like the Autobahn, I guess, of Rome. And, uh, and it went south from Rome, and eventually it, it extended for like 800 kilometers. Um, it was, well, actually 643 kilometers. So it extended a, a very long distance. And it was a very smooth path, and one of the reasons why it was, it was uh, 
such a heavily used road is because it was so well built. Even today, um, this road still exists and you can go there and tour it. They kept about 10, uh, 10 kilometers of the road and you could go there and visit and, uh, and see this ancient road. But uh, the reason I mention that is because Paul would have been encountering many people, was heavily used. And we see here that brothers from Rome came there. And this was a long trip for them. They walked down uh, from Rome to get to the, that first location there, the Forum of Appius. Um, that was quite, quite a trip, about 71 kilometers to get there. So that's a long walk. It's a long walk for me. Maybe, maybe for people who are in condition for it, it's not so long. But they came there to meet with Paul. And then another group came to meet him at the Three Taverns, which was about 55 kilometers away. And on seeing them, Paul thanked God and he took courage. So they were vessels uh, that blessed Paul and caused him to give thanks to God. Um, you know, sometimes we don't realize the things that we do that could be a blessing to others. You know, Paul uh, really wanted to go and see the Romans, and we'll look at a couple uh, verses here from the book of Romans in a minute uh, to look at that. But these, these people went out of their way a long distance to meet him. Probably during that seven days, uh, word was sent to them, right? and then they wanted to come and meet up with Paul and, and see this man who they had, they had heard from in letter but hadn't met in per- person. Uh, In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, Paul writing to the Romans, he said, First, I thank my my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow my God may allow um, that I would succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may mutually be encouraged by one another's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far I have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as I also do among the other Gentiles. I'm under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and foolish. And so I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So we see in this passage, Paul had a deep desire to to go there. He had never been there. Um, There's some discussion about how the the church in Rome began. Uh, In in the beginning, in Acts at Pentecost, we see that there were were Jewish men who had come from Rome. uh, And they were there at Pentecost. And they heard people speaking in their, their own tongue. Maybe some of them got saved and carried it, the gospel there. Maybe Peter carried the gospel there. Uh, maybe some other believer. But at this time of writing the book of Romans, it was probably only Gentiles who were there in the church. If, if you remember back when we were uh, a little bit earlier in the book of Acts, um, when Aquila and Priscilla came to Paul at Corinth, they had come from Rome, uh, and they had come there because of Claudius, the emperor. He had kicked out all of the Jews from Rome. Um, so they had come and met up with Paul, and maybe that's where he first heard of them, and wrote because he wrote this letter to the Romans from Corinthian, the Corinthians as well, or from Corinth. And, uh, 
but he thanked God for them. So they were mutually thankful for one another. Um, you know, they were, they were thankful for Paul. He was thankful for them, and they, they were a blessing to one another. And as he, as he traveled north, I imagine there was a lot of discussion and a lot of praise uh, between them. I'm, I'm sure Paul was able to share with them his, his adventures in getting there. Um, Paul mentions here uh, in Romans that he was hindered um, from making it to them. And in chapter 15, in verse 20, he says, uh, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel um, not where Christ has already been named so that I'm not building on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see and those who have never heard will understand. And this is the reason why I've so often been hindered from coming to you. Okay, and then he tells them, but now, since there's no longer any work for me in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. So Paul had a desire to go and see them, uh, and he'd been hindered, not by all these shipwrecks and imprisonments at this point. He'd been hindered because he was what we would call a pioneer missionary. His desire was to go where nobody had carried the name of Christ before and to share Christ there. Um, so that was his deepest burden. But he also, as we know from Paul, would spend time uh, in places like Corinth. Corinth and Ephesus and other places and spend a significant amount of time there encouraging the saints uh, when the Lord allowed. And in this case, uh, Paul planned to go there when he was on his way to Spain, but the Lord had other plans. Um, but he brought him there nonetheless. And the application I would make from that is sometimes we have plans and they're really good plans, but they're not the plans in that moment that the Lord has for us. But that's not a reason to give up if the Lord burdens your heart for something. Because very often the Lord will open another way. And in this case, he opened a, opened a way for Paul to get there um, as a prisoner. But uh, that was part of God's plan as well. All right, so Paul is in Rome. Uh, and he's gotten there and, and he's getting settled in. He was able to stay by himself with a soldier who was guarding him. And then in the next section, uh, let's read through that. Paul, after three days, starting in verse 17, uh, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had been gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. And when they had examined me and wished to set me free, because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case, um, but because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge, though they had no charge, um, no, sorry, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. All right, and then they said, we have received no letters from Judea about you, and none of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any, spoken any evil against you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are with regard to this sect. We know that everywhere it is spoken against. 
So Paul, when he gets there, uh, first he meets with the believers on the road, but shortly after he gets there, his desire is to speak with the Jews. So apparently the uh, Jewish population has returned to Rome at this point. It's roughly five years later after, after Paul wrote the book of Romans, and now he's here in Rome, and, and there's a Jewish uh, group here. And so he... he calls and sets up a meeting with them, and he's concerned that they've gotten word uh, about him because uh, there were a lot of false accusations made against Paul about how he was uh, you know, breaking the laws of Moses, how he was defiling the temple, all of these things going on, and he, he had a burden on his heart that, to kind of clear the air with them and have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Um, so he called them together, and he wanted also to be clear to them that in his appeal to Rome, it wasn't his desire to somehow exact vengeance or punish the, the Jewish people who, who were the cause of him going there. He says that, you know, he doesn't have any cause uh, against them. So he only appealed to Caesar because the, the Jews were objecting to, to him being set free. And he saw that he was in a, in a situation where it was really his only recourse um, so he goes there, and they, they agreed to meet with him. Um, you know, it, sometimes, uh, you know, in, this, in the, the scriptures, we see that God set prisoners free, right? We see that he set prisoners free, free with earthquakes. He set them free by sending angels. Uh, sometimes it could be through the court system. Um, you know, they desired to set Paul free, uh, according to Paul, but, uh, but that didn't happen. And now here he is. So sometimes they're, they're set free, and sometimes they remain in chains, right? And uh, so Paul, Paul has come here, he's in chains, and he has a desire to speak with, with the Jews. So he comes together, and the Jews say, uh, we desire to hear what your views are with regard to this sect. Uh, we know that everyone or everywhere it is spoken against. So Paul was right. There was a lot of speaking against the Christians within Jewish communities. And, and he, realized, uh, he realized that. And, and they said, we, you know, we want to hear from you. So they appointed a day in verse 23. And, uh, and they came to him at his lodging in an even greater number. So first the leaders came and gathered and he spoke to them, kind of laid out his case. I don't, I don't have anything against the Jews and this is why I'm here. Um, and now they came in a greater number. And from morning until evening, he expounded to them. Um, he was testifying of the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. So Paul took them to Moses and the, and the prophets, to the law and the prophets, and he was speaking to them, sharing, to, sharing with them all about Christ. These men would have known the law and the prophets very well. Um, and so it was a good opportunity for him to show them from the scriptures who the Christ really was. And as a result of that, some were convinced, but others refused to believe. Right? They, they were disagreeing among, among themselves, and they departed from Paul. And Paul made one final state, statement to them as they were going out. And he said, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, 
You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and their ears can barely hear, and their ears and their ears they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. All right. So some were saved, some, some refused to believe, and they departed in argument, but Paul shared this, this verse with them. It's from Isaiah chapter 29, verse 10. Um, so they hear, but they don't understand. Before I got saved, I often uh, heard the gospel. And I, I know this because after I got saved, I heard the gospel all the time. And I was, still, I was going to the same church. But I can't remember ever hearing the gospel before I got saved. Um, I got saved. I, I had a Bible that was given to me by Gideons uh, when I graduated from high school. And, uh, and it's so strange to me that I can't remember hearing the gospel. Um, because literally every Sunday I was hearing it after I got saved. But my heart wasn't ready. Right? My heart wasn't ready. I had ears to hear. But I, I didn't have a heart to perceive or to understand. Um, and that's, unfortunately, the situation with the, with the Jewish uh, people in this, in this case. You know, in the book of Romans, Paul actually talks about this in Romans chapter 11. Um, he talks about the Jews and he, and he quotes this very passage and about the hardness of their heart and the blindness of their eyes and their inability to hear and, and perceive um, when they hear. And he, and he says to the Romans, I ask you, did they stumble um, that they might fall? And then he says, by no means, but rather their trespass uh, is salvation. By their trespass or through it, has, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Um, one, one of the things... Uh, that the Lord uses in the lives of unbelievers is the difference that they see in the lives of believers. Um, the only reason I started reading that Bible from Gideon's was because there was a believer in my life that there was something different about them. I don't, I don't remember them uh, ever sharing the gospel with me or preaching to me, but there was something different about them, and I knew they were a Christian. And I started reading that Bible because of that, because it, it caused an interest in my heart. And once I started reading the Bible, there was no going back because the Lord started grabbing my heart, uh, started grabbing, grabbing a hold of me, and there was a lot of conviction. Um, but that's what the Lord used. And here we see in this situation, there's a bit of a principle there. God is going to use the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. You know, theirs was the promise. They were the ones who were promised the Messiah. They were promised the, the son of David. Uh, who would come and rule and reign, who would give them freedom. Uh, they were promised, you know, salvation. But yeah, because of hardness, because they approached salvation as if it was through keeping rules, keeping laws, uh, they stumbled over Christ. It become a stumbling block to them. Um, but Paul's desire, and I think it's true, is that when Christians live a life of godliness before the unbelievers, God draws them. We see it in Paul's life himself. He's there stoning Stephen, approving of it, the, the cloaks laid at his feet. 
And yet the Lord, when he meets him, he says, it's hard to kick against the goads. Paul was kicking against what he was seeing. He knew in his conscience, in his heart, that there was something different about these believers. And we see that numerous times in in the New Testament and in the book of Acts as well, that the unbelievers were seeing these unlearned, unlearned, untrained men. They were unschooled in the the minds of the Jews. They were Galileans. Uh, they They weren't respected. But yet we see through their testimony and through their words that God was using them to speak to the people, to speak to, to the unbelievers, and, and to show them that God was doing something in, in their lives, and he was working to get their attention, and hopefully to make them jealous, because this is what they should have been experiencing. They should have received the Holy Spirit. They should have received salvation by faith through grace. That, that was for them. It was their Messiah, and, uh, and also the Messiah of the whole world which is something they didn't understand, which often got Paul into trouble as well. Um, All right, in verse 28. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. That's quite a statement, right? They will listen. He was just telling the Jews, you're hearing, but you're, you're not listening. You're not perceiving. You're not understanding, but the the Gentiles are going to listen. We're in, we're in the age of the Gentiles, and they're still getting saved all over the world. Great Commission is still in place. God sent his people to, to all the world, to the outermost parts of the earth. Um, you know, and, and it's still going on today all over the place. Sometimes when I, uh, when I look at the book of Acts, you know, because right now we've been focused on Paul for quite some time. But sometimes I like to imagine, what are all the other apostles doing? All of the other, not just the 12 either, but all of the 120 and the, and the thousands who were saved at Pentecost. You know, what are they doing? Because God scattered them throughout the known world. Um, they were all over the place. And uh, we can read lots of stories in church history about churches that were being planted and seeds that were being sown all over the place. And, uh, and sometimes I like to think about that. Uh, in, in my mind. <laughs> I don't like to conjecture too much unless I have, have something solid to go on. But, but God is at work. And sometimes we can read about it, and sometimes it's quietly uh, or behind the scenes. But God is always at work because that's his business is to save people. All right. So, in verse, in verse 30, He lived there for two whole years on his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. So Paul continued there. He was there for two years, and it comes to an end, and he's still there. You know, so if any of you were hoping Paul was going to be freed from imprisonment, eventually it does does appear to happen. Um, You know, it, it seems that he was released. But he was there for a long time. But the, the important thing is that he was proclaiming the kingdom of God. He had no hindrance. Right? Nobody, was, nobody was trying to stop him. And imagine if you were this soldier chained to Paul. I don't know if they rotated these guys, but I think he was hearing the gospel a lot. Um, you know, so maybe they got saved. Let's, uh, let's look a little bit because Paul, Paul mentions uh, this a little bit. When he writes to the Philippians, um, 
So while Paul was there, he was also keeping busy writing what we call the prison epistles. So in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, it says, I want you to know, brothers, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. That's the effect of Paul's imprisonment there. You know, God sent him. You know, we often talk about he's the apostle to the Gentiles. He was also the apostle to the Jews. And he was also the apostle to, to kings. <laughs> and here, here we see it. Even in the household of, of, uh, of the emperor, even in the household of Caesar, there are people who are, who are getting saved. Um, and, and not only that, but the other believers are more bold. They're like, if Paul can be imprisoned, he's here, he's here to face trial, and it's related to the gospel, then we should be brave enough to speak to our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and our classmates. Uh, we should have that boldness as well. You know, and, and the Lord gives us that boldness when we, when we ask him. Um, you know, we just have to be ready. He tells us to be ready at all times. So another uh, passage. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 21, it says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So Paul was here in Rome, but he was Christ. He was Christ's bondman, right? He was, he was a prisoner of Christ. He wasn't a prisoner of Rome. He was a prisoner of Christ, and because of that, it was a fruitful ministry for him. All right, he was God's chosen vessel, uh, but so are we, right? What has God chosen you to do? What gifts has he given you? Are, are you using them in his service? Are you serving him with them? Uh, and if you don't know the Lord, what, what, is, what is hindering you? What is holding you back? Is, is, it a, is it a hardness of heart, an unwillingness to, to hear and believe? Is it a closing of the ears? Some, sometimes people don't want to hear. Um, before I got saved, I thought I was a good person. It was really hard to read the Bible and hear that I wasn't a good person. It was really hard. I was struggling with that a lot. Um, and then I tried to be a better person. I'm like, maybe if I do more good things, um, that'll make a difference. I don't know where you're at, but I know that the Lord loves you and that he desires a relationship with you. He desires to be with you forever. I know that for certain. Um, all right, so, so where are you at with the Lord? I don't know. But I encourage you to trust the Lord, um, to trust him for your salvation if you're not saved, to trust him to live a life that matters if you are saved. Uh, you know, with the first, uh, or the song earlier, we are his hands and we are his feet. It's true, he's chosen us, his church, and, he, and he's equipped us and he's given us his Holy Spirit and he's given us his word. 
so that we can go into the world and, uh, and see the world reached with his gospel. We're his chosen vessels. All right. And last, uh, last thing. Today, if you hear his voice, you know, he, he wrote this to Israel. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts uh, like they did in the wilderness. Today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Just listen to him. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing else to live for, really. This life, this life is so short. To live for the Lord is, is to live for eternity. To live for this world is to live for a temporary, right? It's to live for what's not going to last, what's going to be eaten by moths and destroyed by rust. Um, all right. So that's the end of our book of Acts reading and, and study. It's not the end of what's happening in the, in the church because it just continues as, as Hessel and, and others have shared. Um, I encourage you, if, if you want, uh, like me, to be encouraged to, to read the book of Romans, to read the books of Philippians, the other prison epistles. I got really excited reading them because I felt like it was uh, opening my eyes to what was happening here uh, with Paul in Rome. Uh, so I encourage you in that. Uh, because God, God speaks to us through his word, and it's a real blessing and encouragement uh, for us to understand um, God's word and to see it applied in our lives. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're so faithful to use Paul uh, for so many years to carry your gospel all over the Mediterranean. I thank you that he was faithful in the face of all that he suffered in all of the trials, but he was also faithful in all of the triumphs because you also gave him great times of success. Sometimes he had, he had plenty. Sometimes he was in want. Sometimes he had, had times of blessed fellowship with believers. Sometimes he, he felt like he was alone. But in all of that, you never left him. And I thank you that you were there to encourage him, that you brought other believers into his life to encourage him, I thank you that in our lives, you haven't left us alone, but that you speak to us through your word. You speak to us through the lives of believers. You speak to us through the very creation that you've made. Uh, I pray open our minds and our hearts, open our ears to hear, and soften our hearts to believe the message that you give to us, Lord, so that we can live a life that honors you. And I thank you that one day, um, we can hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And I thank you that, uh, that you've placed us exactly where you want us, Lord. Help us to trust you regardless uh, of whether the ship is sinking or whether we have smooth seas because you, you send both the storm and you send the, the sun and the beautiful weather as well. So I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.